Take your Bibles to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. We're ending our series today on encounters with Jesus. And so we started this, and we just started going through the life of Christ, of all these people that he encountered, but he came to change people, came to change lives. If if you encounter Jesus, you're not going to be the same. And that is true today, but it was very true in the Bible as they were physically encountering the ministry of Jesus and the things that went on. Jesus came to change us. He knows what we need. He knows what's wrong. He knows what's missing in our lives. The world knows that they're missing something. The world is seeking something. Constantly reaching out for something to bring satisfaction in their life. I, people want identity. People want to be recognized. People want to be loved. It's, it's in us to want to have satisfaction, to, to have that joy inside of our lives. It's something that people know, I'm missing this. I don't know how to get it. I don't know what's missing in my life. It's amazing how Satan will throw anything out there to try to pull us away from what God has for us. It's, it's what he does. How many of you have ever gone fishing before? Raise your hand right now. Raise your hand. Okay. All right. Testify. If you're online, you can comment. If you're not here to raise your hand. And I'm going to tell you guys something, and don't get mad at me. I'm just being honest with you guys. If you are a fisherman, I'm just going to be honest. You're all labeled as deceivers. Let me illustrate. Here's a fishing lure. This is what a fishing lure is. Do you know what a fishing lure has at the back of it or underneath it? It's hooks. But you know what you do out there? We we go out there fishing by casting the line, acting like we're just going to feed the fish. In reality, we're deceiving them because that's not just some tasty treat. That has a hook inside of it to pull them to us. That is what it is. We're deceivers. And we normally uh, camouflage the hooks or do whatever we want so people can't tell or the fish can't tell what we're doing. And and so that's, that's what we do when we're fishing. You understand that's exactly how Satan works. That's what he does. He takes anything that he can to try to put it out in front of you and make you think that this looks good and attractive, but I promise you everything that Satan tries to give you has a hook to it. Every single time. Whether it's some sort of drug, if it's alcohol, if it's something to try to make you feel good, if it's money, if it's all these things. And I'll tell you what, he's good at doing whatever he can to try to pull you away from truth. To pull you away from what we need in life. And so many people go through life where they're thinking, finally I found something. And it's deception of Satan. Jesus came to counter the lies of Satan. This is what Jesus came to do through his ministry. He came to give us what we were missing. He came to fill the void. He came to give us the answers. And once you have the truth, the question is, what will you do with it? The last encounter that I want to share with you about Jesus, and there's tons of them in the Bible, and we might revisit this at another time, but the last one that I want to revisit with you is a man that uh, is not fun to talk about. His name is Judas. And Jenny told me, she says, oh, it's almost Christmas time. What are you preaching on? I said, Judas. She goes, you know, Judas is not a Christmas message. I said, I know that. I know. It's in the Bible. It's in the Gospels. Uh, I, I, I want to do this message on him because he illustrates so many of us. And I know for most of us, we'd sit there and say, none of us are like Judas. You know what I'm saying? It's a name you don't call your kids. It's, it's, I, I don't know how that kid would be accepted in society. I mean, you know, it's like, is Judas here? I mean, it's, it's not the kid that would probably any parent would trust. You know, it's, it's not a popular name that we have, but Judas intrigues us because he's the one that was so close to Jesus, and yet he sold Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. How does this happen? 
How does somebody get so close to Jesus and yet be so distanced from him in their hearts? How can somebody have so much and yet turn it away? John chapter 6, verse 64. And there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray him. And he said, therefore I say unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my father. From that time, many of the disciples went back and walked no more with him. Now notice this next verse, verse 67. Then said Jesus unto the twelve. He says this to all twelve of them. Will ye also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, and Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that thou art Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered them, and have not I chosen you twelve, and one of you is a devil. And he spake of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. And it was he that he should betray him, being one of the twelve. I, I, I don't want to do this so much to focus just on Judas. And, and I know that this is a study on Judas and this who encountered Jesus. And, and there's so many characteristics of him, but I really want to focus more on Jesus. And what Jesus did for him, how Jesus loved him through this, and how Jesus gave so much to Judas, even in the midst of him being a devil. First aspect of this is looking back on Judas's life, we can see that Judas encountered the hope of Jesus. Now, I I want us to grab this because I want us to evaluate each one of our lives because here's the truth. As we go through life, the Bible says that one day all of us are going to die. It's appointed unto men once to die. And then after this, the judgment. We'll all stand before God one day. And I mean, maybe for some that says, I, I didn't realize that. We were created in the image of God. We were created for God. We're more than body. We're, we, we've got a living soul. And one day we're going to stand before God. We actually started with some of these principles back when we did this series with Nicodemus. But one day we're all going to stand before God. And the Bible talks about how we're going to give an account of ourselves. So we're going to stand before him for the life that we lived See, Judas could look back on his life and know that Judas encountered the hope of Jesus. It says in verse, uh, that, verse 67, then said Jesus unto the twelve, will you also go away? That a lot of people were following for the food and the miracles and the pizzazz of being around Jesus. Then Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Jesus we've heard what you say, we saw what you've done, nobody's like you, where where would we go? Because once you experience what Jesus came, once you get a taste of the living water, once you understand why we're here and who created us and what our purpose is for, it's the question of stepping back going, I've never found this anywhere else, there's nowhere else to go, what would we do, where would we go? You see, Judas grew And all those years, hearing the word of God, hearing the word of God, hearing the word of God, hearing what he was saying, the words of eternal life, literally the words that Jesus speaks to us through the Bible is more than just feel good and joy to the world. It is literally the the facts and the, the ideas of what is to come. If you have heard the word of God, let me just make a statement that you are blessed. If you have heard the word of God, you are blessed See, Jesus came because he wanted them to hear it. He approached 
Judas at one point. He came, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Peter, follow me. Come. He was going after people. He was finding people out. He was, he was declaring truth. And now in the, in the world that we have, he establishes churches. And we have people watching online. And we have the technology to do this. He wants the message getting out so that you can know the truth. In a lot of countries, they don't have this. But I can tell you this. And you might not understand this. If you're able to hear the words of God, you've been blessed with the truth. You've been blessed. I'm not saying you've been blessed to hear Pastor Tony preach the truth. I'm saying you've been blessed because you've heard the word of God. Paul wrote this. And he's talking about this in Romans 1.16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I'm not ashamed of the good news of Jesus Christ. That's what the gospel is. It's good news. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. Let me put it like this. I have in my hands the words of God. Jesus spoke them directly. I mean, Judas heard them directly, but I I give them to you, and they're the living word of God. I, I want everybody to know if you've been to church growing up, if you sat in a Sunday school class, if you've been to vacation Bible school, if you've been into revivals, if, you, if, if you've been to church in any way whatsoever, you, you heard, as long as the pastor was doing their job, you heard the very God spoken to your heart. The Bible explains that it is the power of God into salvation. This is the only thing that truly changes lives. Holds people out of the ditch. It, it, it gives you a reason to live. It gives you understanding of eternity. It says in verse 17, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. That word faith to faith is literally means that it's passed down. It's what we do. But because the rest of that verse says, it says, for the just shall live by faith. Every single one of us, I, I hope at some point in your life, you had somebody that came into your life and, and, and I had pastors and I had friends that came to me and told me the gospel. And then I lived that out, and God blessed me with kids, and now I have Jordan, Logan, and Morgan, and I give them the gospel so that they can hear it. And the Bible says you are blessed if you had somebody in your life that was willing to tell you the truth. You've been blessed from faith to faith, from faith to faith. There's the word of God revealed, because one day you're going to stand there and say, I didn't know, and God says, no, that's not true. I brought you to Fellowship Baptist Church, December of 2020, that you could hear the truth. That nobody, because of the technology that we have and the resources that we have and the churches that we have and the freedom that we have can stand there and say, I didn't know. We have this so that we can know. The Bible says in verse 20, listen to this, how powerful this is. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. You say, it's hard to have faith. You guys know what I'm saying? It's like, how do I know there is a God? And how do I know who to believe in? God says, can I tell you and explain something? He said, the invisible things of God are clearly seen from the creation of the world, being understood by the things that are made. Literally, God says, let me help you understand. You say, I don't know if there is a God. I, I don't know if there's a, a higher being. I don't know if there is a God. says, all you have to do is let me tell you to go outside and open your eyes. Go outside and listen to this. Even his eternal power in Godhead, from the rising of the sun to the setting of the sun to the going down of the sun, 
from the, the moon and the stars and all of these things around us. And we'll just go out there and just be captivated. The Bible says the heavens declare the glory of God. Let me tell you, one day you're going to stand before God and God's gonna, you're going to say, I didn't know. And God's going to say, did not my very creation declare Every time you see these beautiful things that are around us, the Bible says the heavens declare the glory of God and his firmament showeth his handiwork. You go outside and you see these amazing sunrises and these sunsets. You see the rainforest. You see these amazing things that are happening around us. You see the heavens. You see the snowfall. You see all these things that happen around us and you're wondering, what is that? That is the glory of God displaying to say, I am the creator of all things. He says in this passage, so that they are without excuse. As to say, God, I wish you would have just gotten my attention. I wish you would have showed me something. I wish you would have demonstrated this to me in some way. The Bible says that they will are without excuse because his creation displayed that there's something great. The Bible says in Romans 14, 12, so then every one of us shall give an account himself to God. Or God will point back and say all these times that I did. Can you imagine for Judas? He can't stand before God and say, I didn't know. He said, I gave it to you over and over again. You have been given the blessing of the message of hope. We are blessed and accountable. And I'm speaking this right now because we're talking about a dude named Judas. Judas was somebody that would say that if, if he was in modern days, this would be Judas. I grew, he'd say, I grew up in church. I was around Christian things. I knew the books of the Bible. I, I, I knew when Christmas came around, I knew what that was all about. See, he knew, he knows all these things. You guys know what I'm saying? It's like, for, for, there's places in the world that they could sit there and say, I didn't even know that there was a God or they're worshiping a false statue. But I, I'm standing in America. Man, I've got technology in front of me, and we've got these resources to sit there and get the message out so that the Bible is saying that, that people would clearly know that there is a God. The Bible is telling us that, that we will be accountable to God for this. See, so Satan will offer you anything that he can to pull you away from this. Judas had a struggle. We see this in Matthew 26. Let me fast forward a little bit. We'll come back. Then one of the twelve, called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest, and he said unto them, What will ye give me? And I will deliver him to you. And they coveted to him for 30 pieces of silver. And from that time, he sought opportunity to betray him. See, a lot of times when we tell this story, you guys know how we tell it? Like Judas is over here and these guys were like, oh, there's one of those. Let's offer him some money. That's not how it went. The Bible says in that first verse, it says, and then one of the 12 called Judas went to the chief priests, like went to them and said, hey, what would you give me if I betrayed him? What was saying is in his heart, he would value the money more than he did the Savior. I said, that's what he wanted. He was making a choice. They did not seek Judas. Judas sought out them after he encountered the hope of Jesus Christ. Judas encountered the hope of Jesus, but Judas also encountered the love of Jesus. We follow up with this relationship of Jesus and Judas and if you're in John, just keep flipping forward. We'll go to verse thir- uh, or chapter 13. We get to another part of this. There's a lot of the Bible that just blows my mind. I mean, a lot of it. It's like how Jesus raised the dead, how Jesus cared for the lepers, how Jesus went to 
the, the prostitutes. He reached out to forgive the, the maniac. He reached out to forgive the ones that everybody gave up on. That is the love of God. You, you must understand how far the love of God would go. And a lot of people have this idea that if I just go to church or I straighten up my act, then, then maybe, maybe God would love me. Do you realize that God loves you just the way that you are right now? And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. He didn't say why they were yet churchgoers or, you know, givers to the church. Or anything. He said why you were yet sinners. To demonstrate the love of God, he says this in um, John 13, verse 1. Jesus is about to go to the cross. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto his Father, having loved his own, which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. Judas is part of this passage. Until he loved, he loved him to the end. Never ran out. Our, our patience runs out. You guys know what I'm saying? I mean, we don't like to admit that, but our patience, even for people we love, you don't believe me? It's a, you're about to get together with family for Christmas, okay? You're about, your love's about to be tested, all right? It's amazing how our love can... But Jesus knew what Judas was about to do. Verse 2, in supper being ended, and the devil now having put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon Peter, to betray him. I want you guys to see that love is an action, it's not a feeling. You know, the people come up and say, oh, I'm so in love, and all this. It's like, I'm waiting one day... There, my, my daughter is 14 right now. When she's ready to be married, when she's 32 years old, when that time comes and I'm ready to let her go and get married or whatever, you know, I'm going to have some punk that wants to come up to me thinking he's good enough for my little girl and I already know he's not. And he's going to tell me how in love he is with my daughter. I'm not going to care about his feelings for my daughter because love is an action. I want to know, are you treating my daughter with respect? Do you have a job? Do you get out of bed? Do you, can, can you do more than play Fortnite? Okay, these are hard questions I need to ask him. You know, do you know how to fold laundry? Do you know how to start a lawnmower? You know, these are questions that are important in life. Love is an action. It's not just a feeling. God didn't just say, I have strong feelings towards you. God was showing. He said, I love them. I love to the end. Verse 3, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, he was come from God and went to God. He rises from supper and laid aside his garments. He took a towel and he girded himself. And after he poured water into a basin and he began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. This is symbolic. You have to know a little bit of the background to understand how cool and epic this was. They, they would travel around, their feet were really dirty, so when they would sit down, they had low-lying tables, so their feet would normally sit to the side, so you have these nasty feet in the face of you while you're trying to eat, and it's just gross, okay? So it would ruin the fellowship that they would have with one another. So what they would do is they would have somebody, a servant, somebody that would just take care of them as they went inside, and this dude that had to wash the feet was usually the lowest of the low of the low, so it wasn't just some guy that they would do it. It was out of the servants. Maybe some guy would come out and serve them. But the dude that was brand new, that had no clout whatsoever with the other guys, would have to stand at the door and wash their stinking feet. 
The disciples come in on this night, and there's nobody standing at the feet. So they're like, well, I'm not doing it. So he goes, sits down. One, two, three, all 12 of them sit down. Nobody washes each other's feet. They'd rather sit there with their nasty feet as opposed to humble themselves to wash somebody else's feet. You know why? Because now I'm being associated with the low guy. I'm not going to do it. Here's what's disgusting about it. We, we talk about their feet being dirty. They traveled on camels and donkeys. Okay, you guys know where I'm going to go with this. Walking behind camels and donkeys. I'm saying when I say their feet were nasty, their feet were nasty. Because you, do you know what camels and donkeys do after a while? And here they're walking through all this stuff. And this was just part of their culture. This is what was going on in there. And then, so when I say that they would wash their feet to have fellowship, it was, it was a big, important deal to do this. Can you imagine the one that was saying, I love you, I love you, I love them to the end, I love you. Judas being one of the twelve, I love you. Jesus taking off his outer garment, laying it aside. The Bible says he, he, goes, and gets a, he get, goes and gets a rag. And he walks right up to Judas and Peter. And John and the rest of them, but, but Judas. I'll be honest, if that was me, I would have skipped Judas. Well, you don't care about me. Why should I care about you? I know what you've done. I know where you've been. I know what's in your pocket right now. 30 pieces of silver to betray me. You say, Pastor Tony, you don't know what I've done. You don't know where I've been. You don't, you don't know the habits that I have in my life. You don't know. You tell me how much God loves you. I'm going to tell you how much God loves you. He's willing to deal with your dirt. Personally, get down on his knees. And the Bible talks about how he picked that up and how he began to wash their feet. One by one, wash their feet. You know why? Because he wanted to be able to do whatever it took to have fellowship with you. You say, oh, that's a cute story that you're going all the way back to the disciples of the, Old, or the New Testament. You're going all the way back to that. But what about me? Do you realize that what he was about to do was die on the cross to deal with your dirt? It was just foreshadowing what he came to do. It was foreshadowing what his purpose was in life. It was all about us. Bible says in Philippians, but he made himself of no reputation and took on the form of a serpent, servant and made himself in the likeness of men and found, being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself, not just to wash feet, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. You say, why would he do that? Let me tell you, there is nothing in this world that I could possibly do to explain to you how much God loves you. You say, I'm, I'm, I'm like Judas. I'm not a churchgoer. I'm not, man, I, I, I've done more wrong than I can list. I, I've, I, I'm nobody. God came for the nobody. He died for the nobodies. The first person he reached out on the cross was the thief dying next to him. We'll never fully understand how amazing the love of God is. See, the Bible says that Judas went to hell. And I know a lot of people debate that and say, I don't know. Man, he made a mistake or whatever. Let, let, let me explain this. The, the Bible says in, in John chapter 6 that he was the, John was a devil. We read that a minute ago. The Bible says in John 17 that he was called the son of perdition. The word perdition literally means damnation, destruction, the son of loss, the son of ruin, the son of spiritual loss. 
In Acts chapter 1, verse 25, it says, Judas by transgression fell that he might go to his own place. Literally describing the disciples, describing that he did not go where, where they were. This is not the same thing as Peter that denied Jesus and made a mistake and then ran back to Jesus and said, I'm sorry. This is Judas that betrayed Jesus, rejected Jesus, and chose something else. It's not the same thing. See, Judas went to hell, and the fact is that you can have the greatest leaders in your life and still go to hell. The fact is that you can go and be in the room, in the place, and have the titles and the influences and the gospel, and you can have the VBS awards, and you can have the Iwana awards, and you can have the badges, and you can have the testimony, and you can have all the things that you want with spiritual things and still go to hell. You say, how is that possible? Because there is only one thing that separates us from heaven and hell. The Bible says in John 3, 36, he that believeth on the Son have everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. It's believing in your heart. It's not actions. It's not going through the motions. It's believing in your heart. In John 3, 13, later in that passage, Jesus answered, he it is to whom I shall give the sop. And when he had dipped it, he had dipped the sop and he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. And after, and after the sop, Satan entered into him. Then, then said Jesus unto him, that thou doest, do quickly. He made up his mind. He made a choice. He didn't repent. He didn't receive the love that God gave him. He, he, he got up and did his own thing. He walked away from repentance. He walked away from the grace of God. He walked away. I know what you did. Thank you for the clean feet. But I have something else I'd rather have. And all of our lives, I'm asking us to double check our hearts. Do we... Go after Jesus for the mindset of feeling good because we sat in church or do we have a heart for God that draws us to a relationship with him because there is a difference. The Bible says it's for with the heart that man believes unto righteousness. And I say this because of the fact is I believe that there's a hook of religion that is thrown out there. There's that lure of religion that Satan has pushed so hard to say, hey, I don't know if I'm going to heaven or hell. Well, you do, you're a good person and you, you do a lot of good things or you were baptized or you this or you're that. And he makes all these things, anything to pull you away from the truth. And the truth is that you have to be convinced and convicted in your heart that you need Jesus and to call out to him to change you. Because one day you're going to stand before God. And it's my job and responsibility that people know. And as crazy as this world is getting, God is warning us and stirring us up and shaking us up that we would wake up to the reality of what is to come. I'm just trying to be real. Because Jesus was being real. And he literally at that moment, you think about what Jesus was doing, almost like whoever I give this sop to. And he turned and he gave it to Judas as to say, I know what you're doing. It is a blessing of God that God will, in his mercy and grace, bring us to a service or bring us to a time like this so that somebody would stand up and say, here's the truth. You know what Jesus was doing in that moment? He was saying, Judas, here's the truth. And by the way, if you will have the truth, it's only the truth that will make you free. It says, for with the heart, man believes unto righteousness. I asked you this question. Have you personally asked Jesus to save you, to set you free Jesus came to him because he cared. Jesus called him because he cared. Jesus 
gave him the words of life. He washed his feet. You know why? Because Jesus loved him. This is real. In John 17, verse 13, when Jesus was praying in the garden, we keep going further in the story, and now it came, now I came to these, talking to his father, and these things that I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. You know, one of the things that people would say, I don't know if where I'd go, I don't know if I'm saved or not, or whatever. Let me tell you and just say, I know what it was like to grow up in church and go through the motions. A lot of you do too. Get up, go to church. Oh, mom, do we have to? Didn't we just go last week? Can we just sleep through Sundays? You guys know that, what I'm saying? It's like, oh, come on. And, and, and sometimes it's that way even with our spouses and things like that. Let's go to church. Oh, do we have to? There's something missing. You guys know what I'm saying? We're going through the motions and we'll say the words, but a love in your heart with the heart man believes unto righteousness is the seed of emotions. When I met Jenny and we started dating and all of a sudden something clicked on my heart that made me not want to stay away from her to the point where I went up to her mom and dad and we were very young and everything and said, I want to marry her and I'll do whatever it takes to marry her because I love her and I don't want to be without her. That is love. That is the love that God had for you when he said, I'll go to the cross. I'll wash their feet. I'll humble myself. I'll do whatever it takes because I love them. But I'm telling you, if he loved us that way and he offered that and somebody has to drag you to church, something's wrong. Because you don't have to drag somebody to somebody that they love. And I'm not saying, hey, let's just be honest. Is anybody lazy here? I've got my hand raised. I'll be honest, there are Sundays that I wish it wasn't Sunday so I could sleep in. Judge me all you want, go ahead. I'm human just like you. I'm thinking, I don't want to get it. But I'm telling you this, I'm not bragging, but I'm saying the day that I truly met Jesus Christ and I understood it wasn't with my head, it was with my heart that I believed unto God. Something changed in my life, something clicked in my life, and I found a joy that God promised to give me. I found a joy, I found a peace, I found a desire, I found that when I come to church and I hear, bless the Lord on my soul, and I hear those words, there's something that happens inside of me that God stirs me up and wakes me up, and I'm not saying that you have to go through the motions and raise your hand and cry and everything, but there's something real that happens in your life, and it's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I'm not pushing church. I'm not pushing religion. I'm not asking to join the church. I'm not asking you to go through the motions of communion and things like that. I'm asking in your heart, are you like Judas, where at the end of all that you're saying, I'd still rather have the money. Because that's a heart issue. You guys hear me? That's a heart issue. And I say this to our teenagers as well. If, if, if you go through the motions of this and you don't have it in your heart where you love God and you want the things of God, there's a heart issue there. Because when we love God and we have God in our life, there is conviction that wakes us up and stirs us up to be drawn to what's. I'm not saying that we don't battle our flesh. You'll battle your flesh till Jesus comes. I promise you that. The spirit against the flesh and the flesh against the spirit is a constant war. But I'm asking you that there should be something real in your life. John 18, 1, we get to the end of the story. We get to the end of his life. And when Jesus had spoken these words of his prayer to his father, he went forth with disciples over the brook Cedron. And there was a garden which he entered and the disciples and Judas also and betrayed him. And, and he knew the place. Jesus oftentimes resorted thither to be with the disciples. And Judas then, having received a band of men and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, 
cometh thither with lanterns and torches and weapons. Here's Jesus. He rises from praying, sweating drops of blood, agony over the sins of humanity, agony over the sins of mankind. And there's Judas. He could see him afar off. He's coming with a band of soldiers. He's coming with the torches. They mean business. You know why? Because they're about to come into the, the presence of the one that could knock them all over. But let me remind you, he came as a lamb to the slaughter. He came to die for our sins. The Bible says in Matthew 26, verse 49, the same story, for, for with he came to Jesus and he said, Hail, Master. And he kissed him. And Jesus said unto him, Friend, wherefore art thou come? Then came they, and they laid hands on Jesus and took him. Judas encountered the hope of Jesus. Judas encountered the love of Jesus. And at the end, Judas still encountered the mercy of Jesus. Mercy is withholding punishment that is deserved. Grace is you getting what you didn't deserve. But mercy is withholding punishment that is deserved. See, Jesus is standing there and he sees Judas. In reality, he would have been like, I strike you dead or I'm done with you. Or I would have called him out. It was like, here comes the liar. Here comes the deceiver. Oh, here comes the fake. What did Jesus call him? Called him friend. The Bible says, and he who he loved, he loved to the very end. You see, the very fact that this was the mercy of God, the very fact that every single time that you are alive, every time you wake up with breath in your body, every single time, and we know the reality of hell and the reality of the future, that is God saying to all of us, I am giving you one more chance. I'm giving you one more chance. I'm giving you one more chance. That is the mercy of God. I've often wondered why God doesn't return in the middle of all this craziness. I'll tell you why he doesn't, because he loves us so much. He has the mercy of God. You see, Judas made a choice. The Bible says in Mark 8, 36, For what shall a man profit if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? You, you think about that question. Let me read this again. What shall a man profit if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Can I ask you this question? And this is, this is for everybody. What, what are you chasing? What has Satan thrown out at you? And I, I, for Judas, it was 30 pieces of silver. It was. It's like, I think I'd rather have that. And then he's with the love of God and he's drawn back and he says, but I want that. I think Satan's constantly pulling, 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 constantly pulling, constantly pulling, constantly trying to get your attention, constantly, constantly. Because one day we're going to stand before God. And one day, through the, through the blessings of uh, so many of us being like Judas, so many of us having Bibles, so many of us growing up in church, so many of us having all these things, we have it. We're going to stand before God question will be why did you reject the love of God why did you reject the message over and over again if you were given these things why 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 the Bible says at the end of time it says I saw the dead small and great stand before God and the books were open and another book was open which is the book of life and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. Now, the books were open, and another book of open was the man's book of life. 
The book of life is when you get saved, your name's in the Lamb's book of life and nothing can change that. When your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, the day that you accepted Christ, the day that you believe in your heart, your name is in there. But the Bible says that then the other books, multiple books, and it says that they were judged according to their works. It's not a matter of scales if you were good or bad. It's only one thing that matters. If you believed on Jesus Christ, that's the only thing that matters. But I've often wondered what those other books were, so I did some research. And it says, as it talks about the, other, the works that they've done, it's a matter of pointing back to their life of saying, Judas, or you, I brought you to church. I went after you. I gave you a mom that would witness to you. I gave you this. And you know what your reaction was? Is I got drugged to church or I was made to do this. I, I went after you with the love of God. I went after you with the mercy of God. I, I, I shook you up time after time. I, I gave you lessons time after time. And every single time you'd walk away, you'd walk away, you'd walk away because it is a choice. But I'll tell you this about the choice. If today you've come to church for whatever reason, maybe out of habit, maybe out of tradition, maybe you were invited, maybe for whatever, this is what it all comes down to this right here. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's you come to a point in your life where you say, I've never had that peace. I never got this before. But today, God, I do want it. I want to make it right. I want God in my heart. I want that joy. I want that satisfaction. I want Jesus. Jesus.